Hear the word of the Lord from the prophet Isaiah in chapter 42, reading verses 10 to 17. Sing to the Lord a new song, His praise from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that fills it, the coastlands and their inhabitants, let the desert and its cities lift up their voice. The villages that Kedar inhabits, let the inhabitants of Selah sing for joy. Let them shout from the top of the mountains. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise in the coastlands. The Lord goes out like a mighty man, like a man of war. He stirs up his zeal. He cries out. He shouts aloud. He shows himself mighty against his foes. For a long time I have held my peace. I have kept still and restrained myself. Now I will cry out like a woman in labor. I will gasp and pant. I will lay waste mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetation. I will turn the rivers into islands and dry up the pools. I will leave I will lead the blind in a way they do not know. In paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. They are turned back and utterly put to shame, who trust in carved idols, who say to metal images, you are our gods. Uh, the great vocation of uh, the people of God on heaven or on earth uh, is, of course, uh, to uh, engage in uh, the praise of God, uh, which is our uh, text this morning. Uh, verses 10 to 13, he is uh, praised for his triumphant servant. Uh, verses 14 and 17, we learn of the works of the triumphant servant. Again, another cause uh, to praise. Part of our vocation as Christians uh, is uh, not only to praise God when we gather on Sunday mornings, but to praise Him throughout our days and the weeks uh, to come. Uh, the context of our text, as you know, is the first servant song and a summons to an earthly choir to sing the praises of God, verses uh, 10 to 13. So God uh, calls uh, the earth to uh, praise him because of the provision of the servant son. It's a natural response given the divine gift of the Savior and the certainty of his work. The imperative uh, sing is addressed to all of the nations. So it's a reminder that uh, there's going to be a future day in which uh, Gentiles will come to praise God. Uh, mindful of a passage in uh, Matthew chapter 8 when the centurion, who is a Gentile, expresses faith in the Lord. And Christ says, a day is going to come. Well, men will come from north, south, east, and west and come and sit at the table of Abraham. Meaning that the coming of the centurion is the beginning of that promise. They, they're coming to recline at the table uh, to eat with Abraham and uh, the greater promise of our eternities uh, in the presence of God. 
coming of Gentiles. One of the reasons you and I should be given over to the vocation of the praise of God is that uh, the invitation uh, goes beyond uh, the uh, ethnic people of God, the nation of Israel, the, the Jews, to all of the nations. So again, the universal choir is seen in the word, the ends of the earth, the islands, the wilderness and the settlements in Arabia and Edom. Praise God. The totality of the creation is to engage in the praise of God. And the serenade here is to, to Yahweh, uh, the great covenant God of Israel. But the content is the most instructive. Content of the praise of God is seen in the 10th verse, uh, the summons of the choir uh, to sing the praise of God. Sing to the Lord a new song. So what is this new song? The text is uh, an allusion uh, to Exodus chapter 15. Not only the first verse, but uh, the 21st verse, but I'm just simply going uh, to look at Exodus chapter 15 and uh, the first verse. Uh, then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, Again, the same verb, uh, sing, is used in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 10, as well as Exodus chapter 15, verse 1. They're going to sing praises to God. And the song of Moses uh, is based upon God's victory over Pharaoh in the first Exodus. Here, the praise of God in the new song is linked to the servant and his triumphs in a new exodus, which for us has begun in Jesus. So this great redemptive work of God in the exodus is now being recapitulated for us in a greater exodus uh, begun in the great servant, son, and that is why we are to praise God. The content of the first song was that God had uh, thrown Pharaoh and all of his chariots into the sea and destroyed them. Uh, it's a reminder of uh, the blessings of God and the greater Moses, the greater servant son, uh, all that he has done for us and the certainty of his victories. And so we sing his praises uh, because of uh, the new song, but the new and the greater exodus of which we are a part because of his redemptive work. John, uh, the apostle, uh, alludes to Isaiah 42 uh, and uh, the new song in Revelation chapter 5, in the ninth verse. Uh, because here again, there's going to be a song that's going to be sung for the glory and majesty for the work of, of uh, Christ, uh, the Messiah. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, and they sang a new song. So you can see there uh, the certainty of the allusion to Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1. Pardon me, verse 10. But here in Revelation 5, the choir is heavenly. Isaiah, it's an earthly choir. All the nations, here it's a heavenly choir. Uh, the immediate context is a sealed book of God's judgment and redemptive acts. And no one is, is worthy to open the book. In fact, there's great sadness. Uh, who is worthy? And no one can be found in all of the earth who is worthy to open the book of God's great redemptive 
uh, acts of judgment and salvation. It casts a pall of terrible sorrow. Uh, there's weeping because no one found is worthy except uh, verse 5. And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. And Jesus takes the book and heaven, Revelation 5, erupts in praise. The content, again, is a new song for our Lord's work of deliverance. Let's look at that work of deliverance in uh, the rest of uh, verse 9. Worthy art thou to take the book and to break its seals, for thou wast slain, and didst purchase for God with thy blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nations. That's all, all of the Gentiles, the entire world now, can sing the praises of God for the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Uh, that he did an actual work, a certain work. He purchased men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Oftentimes the gospel is presented in an uncertain way. Well, maybe Christ did something. Maybe he purchased. That is folly. He purchased upon the cross the entire company of the redeemed by the shedding of his blood. Not only that, he reconstitutes us as a new people of God. And that's declared in verse 10. And thou wast made for them a kingdom and priests. That's an illusion of the great description of the commission of Israel in Exodus 19. They were to be a kingdom and priests to God. Now, if you will, Christ is reflagging the, company, the entire company of the redeemed from one nation to all the nations. What used to be an accolade that applied to Israel is now applied uh, to all of the nations, uh, if you will, uh, a new Israel uh, because of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And we are kingdom and priests. Now, we are reconstituted as the true Israel, the true vine, uh, because of the work of the Son. Furthermore, new speaks to the new exodus, the new creation. Uh, meaning that the praise is also for inaugurated prophetic fulfillment. The opening of, of the books of the judgments and redemptive acts of God uh, is uh, a prophetic fulfillment, uh, allusion, if you will, to the book of Daniel. I encourage you to turn in your Old Testament uh, to Daniel chapter 12 and uh, uh, the fourth uh, verse where there is uh, books that are sealed. Uh, Daniel chapter 12 and uh, verse 4. But as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. So Daniel is commanded to seal the book. Uh, skip down uh, to verse 9. And he said, go your way, Daniel, for these words are concealed and sealed up until the end time. And now in Revelation 5, 9, the great books are unsealed. That's why heaven erupts in praise uh, because of prophetic fulfillment. Daniel seals the book and Christ opens it because of who he is. The end times have begun, started, and the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. The great books of redemption and judgments were sealed in the days of Daniel and now Christ because of the 
uh, magnitude of his greatness and the infinite uh, value of his person and what he did upon the cross opens them and heaven praises God. Likewise, you and I should praise God uh, because of the opening of the books of uh, redemption uh, that includes us as the uh, company of the redeemed. Once sealed, now opened, prophetic fulfillment from Daniel uh, to Revelation. It's a good reminder here of uh, the vagaries of our culture uh, that oftentimes denies the the deity of Christ. Uh, But whenever Christ is worshipped, as he is in Revelation chapter chapter 5, and certainly heaven worships him, uh, it's a testimony of his deity and who he is. It's a reminder to us as to why we should uh, praise him continually in our journey, uh, in our sojourning in this life because of who he is. The praise of God, the praise of Christ as the provision of God uh, because he's opened the book of redemption. Uh, oftentimes as part of the Reformed community, uh, we tell people that we believe in Christ alone. Why is that? Revelation 5.9 is why. Because he's worshipped, because he's opened uh, a sealed book, fulfillment of prophecy in the opening of the books. Uh, we also sometimes say, to God alone be the glory. Why is that? Because God alone makes the provision. We were unable. And so he provides in his grace. Uh, two great monikers, if you will, of the Protestant Reformation. And the centrality of the adjective alone. Many Christians believe in Christ and praising God, but we, we add the adjective alone, Christ alone. Uh, to God alone be the glory. May those adjectives define our worship and our praise of God. Well, the praise uh, is uh, because of uh, the uh, new song, the new exodus, the new victories uh, won by Christ and the new creation. It's also based upon the identity of God. Uh, Isaiah chapter 42 uh, speaks of a certain aspect of, of God. Uh, Isaiah chapter 42 in, in verse 13. The Lord will go forth like a warrior. going to conduct holy war. Uh, Our God is the great warrior king. Uh, It's very interesting that uh, the word warrior, as uh, you can tell from the English text, is a a noun. Uh, But look at the last line of the verse. He will prevail against his enemies. Uh, The verb prevail is uh, the verbal form of that noun. Uh, He warriors. He prevails. He wins. Uh, Oftentimes we capture God as sitting in heaven and he's all worried and biting his fingernails and uh, wondering if it's going to work out. No. No, God doesn't worry. He's conquered because of who he is, a great warrior king. How could he do anything but conquer and prevail? He wouldn't be God if it were otherwise. He prevails. He overcomes. That's a description of Christ in Revelation 5. He overcame the shedding of his blood. 
This text as well is an allusion to Exodus 15.3 where God is described as the man of war because he defeated Pharaoh and his entire army. Our God is a warrior, a man of war. Uh, one of the great uh, uh, benefits left to us by the Puritans was description of God as prophet, priest, and king, or Christ as prophet, priest, and king. How was he king? He came because he defeated all of our enemies and overcame them all, vanquished them all as the great warrior king. Now Christ our Savior. It's further evidence that Isaiah is acknowledging again a new exodus. Again, Moses describes uh, uh, a song of the victory of the Lord and calls him a man of war. And that language is picked up by Isaiah, meaning uh, that uh, a new exodus is about to begin uh, in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. So reminded to us that the servant's son foretold and prophesied in the first servant song, Isaiah chapter 42, uh, is now being praised because of his work of fulfilling the work that God gave him to do. He's the agent of God uh, to come and to begin the new exodus. He comes first as a lowly servant offering peace, uh, but a second time he will come to rescue his people and uh, destroy uh, all of their enemies. If you overlap the, the two exoduses, the two songs, uh, the certainty of the victory of the first exodus establishes the certainty of our victory. As certainly as he defeated sin and evil in his first coming, so too will he defeat the beast and all of his armies at the second. The one ensures the latter or the greater the lesser. So again, the, uh, the text begins with uh, the entire world summoned to the praise of God uh, based upon uh, the work of God as our great warrior king uh, and because of the servant son is going to begin a new exodus. The identity of God is the reason for the summons to praise. But, but now the reasons become more explicit in verses 14 to 17. Uh, praise for the triumphs of God in his uh, agent, the servant, uh, uh, in his beginning of the new exodus are followed by reasons for praise. Again, verses 14 17. That God speaks of his accomplishments now in the first person singular pronoun in his provision of the servant whose victories will become our victories. One of the reasons we praise God, because he was victorious, we too shall be victorious. Uh, he saves us as our king. Yeah. Let's look at the first uh, reason uh, for uh, the praise of God, verse 14. I've kept silent for a long time. I've kept still and restrained myself. Now like a woman in labor, I will groan. I'll both gasp and pant. It's an acknowledgement of Messiah's long suffering. He's restrained himself and been silent. Uh, I love uh, the text, Second uh, Peter chapter three and verse nine. It's a reminder of God's grace to each of us and His patience and His long suffering 
towards all of us until which time all of us are, are, uh, are gathered. 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. Again, the church, the people of God, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God in His patience uh, is gathering His people until all, all of His people come to repentance and salvation. The patience of God, the very basis of your coming to the faith. Uh, if he were quick to, uh, to anger, we would all be destroyed. But he's patient, uh, gathering his people, working in their lives, uh, working repentance, working uh, faith until they come to the knowledge of, of the great warrior king, Jesus, our Savior, uh, the greater Moses and his greater Exodus. Of course, the controlling metaphor here is a woman in childbirth. Uh, towards the end of her pregnancy, birth pangs come more violently and quickly. And so uh, we know from the previous context that the fulfillment of the promise uh, has uh, begun in Jesus, uh, even though the terminal point of salvation is not yet. Now, the great countervailing words of the already and not yet, that Christ has begun his work as a servant son, started. Secondly, Obstacles are cleared to make way for the passage of, of the pilgrims in verse 15. I will lay waste uh, to the mountains and hills and wither all their vegetation. I will make the rivers into coastlands and dry up the ponds. Again, uh, God is being praised here. This is one of the reasons for praise and the work of God uh, ultimately fulfilled in the provision of the servant son. Uh, the removal of obstacles uh, for uh, uh, the new exodus. Reference to uh, physical obstacles like uh, mountains and vegetation. Uh, God makes a clear path. Uh, so uh, the pilgrims in the exodus can advance in their journey heavenward. The particular emphasis to me is the removal of water obstacles which is part of the divine activity of the new exodus. I'll make Rivers into coastlands and dry up the ponds. Uh, imagery, again, is captured for us, is it not, in the first Exodus? Uh, go back to the book of Exodus, where there is a water obstacle that stands in the way of the first Exodus. As you know, Satan attempts to destroy Israel with the Red Sea. As Pharaoh pursued her, uh, again, Pharaoh knew that uh, they could not escape because of the Red Sea. And so, all is lost, isn't it? Israel's going to be destroyed. Uh, Pharaoh is a more powerful army, and uh, this incredible water obstacle is, is in the way of the first Exodus. Exodus chapter 14, verses 15 to 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. And so a miracle is about to occur. That's for you lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. The first exodus, the provision of, uh, of uh, dry 
land through a tremendous water obstacle. Now, when I was in uh, my first uh, training in the Army was, uh, uh, was with tanks. And uh, <clears throat> ancient history, uh, the tanks that I drove uh, weighed 52 tons. Uh, they don't float real well. Armored forces need engineer, uh, engineer forces to make bridges over, uh, over rivers because a 52-ton behemoth doesn't float real well. So uh, God makes a way through the water obstacle in the first exodus. Uh, by the way, this, this is reduplicated, is it not? In another exodus, uh, Turn with me again to the book of Joshua. This is a great reminder of the power of God because there's another water obstacle that, uh, that God uh, makes a way through. Joshua chapter 3, verses 15, 17. Uh, when those who carried the ark came into the Jordan, the feet of the priests carrying the ark were dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks all the days of harvest that the waters which were flowing down from above stood up and rose up in one heap a great distance away. Uh, so again, you, you can see a way is made through. Uh, latter part of verse 16, so the people crossed opposite Jericho. And the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel crossed on dry ground until all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan. The first exodus, the Red Sea. Now another exodus in the River Jordan. God making a way on dry ground. We know from Scripture that great redemptive events reduplicate themselves over and over. Isaiah is telling us of a greater exodus uh, to be accomplished by the servant son. There's another water obstacle. If you will, the armies of Pharaoh and Satan are trying to run us to ground. It's a text we've looked at previously, but I ask you to turn to the last book of the Bible, Revelation uh, chapter 12. <clears throat> Reminder of our present exodus and that we are confronted with a water obstacle and God's going to provide a way of escape. Revelation 12 verses 15 to 16. And the serpent poured water out like a river out of his mouth after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. A water obstacle. And what does God do? And the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out of its mouth. You and I are a part of this greater exodus. What reminds us of the certainty of our salvation was the Red Sea and the Jordan River being dried up by the power of God that we cross safely through. For John, of course, it's not the literal, but it's the metaphor of Satan pouring forth a stream of deception to sweep us away. So violent is this river uh, that God makes a, a new pathway through the waters. Deception, incredible in the world in which we live. To sweep away the people of God. So reading this morning in uh, Daly, Oklahoma, how many people are killed uh, every year uh, 
during floods in the United States when they think they can drive through them. Don't, don't drive uh, into the roaring waters. How is it that we escape the provision of God and Him who leads us? Uh, that Christ helps the church by making a way through it. A couple of illustrations of that in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. God seals us by the Spirit. The Spirit of God seals us to protect us from all of the vagaries of deception that swirl about the church. And in many churches, they've entered into them and have taken over. But the true people of God are sealed by the power of God, protected from the violent forces of the waters of deception that come out of the mouth of the devil himself. John chapter 16, verse 13, he tells his apostles, the Spirit of God will guide you into all the truth. Countervailing force to deception is truth. The Spirit of God guides the people of God into the truth. That part of the evidence of the new exodus is the truth of the Word of God protecting us from the forces of deception. And were it not for the truth, we would all be swept away. The violence of the waters, the flood waters sweeping us away. But God in His grace does another Red Sea miracle and Jordan River miracle in the provision of, of giving us safe ground by protecting us from the forces of deception. why we should praise God. And he not only gave us the truth in the Bible, but he gave us uh, eyes to see and to apprehend and to know the truth as uh, ultimate uh, protection. Thirdly, verse 16, our Messiah leads and guides us with divine light. Again, I'm back now uh, in Exodus chapter 42. That provision of God through His agent, the servant, Son, uh, and the reasons for the praise of God. Uh, verse 16, I will lead the blind by a way they do not know, and paths they do not know, I will guide them. I will make darkness into light before them, and rugged places into plains. These are the things I will do, and I will not leave them undone. Great promise of what God is going to do in Christ the Messiah. We, we've studied this of, uh, of, of fulfillment in this vein of uh, Christ opening the eyes of the blind. Uh, but here, of course, again, it's uh, the divine light that God gives to his people in a dark world. But once again, the uh, imagery is a reduplication of the first Exodus. Exodus chapter 13. Uh, verses uh, 21 to 22. It's important to study uh, these first occurrences uh, uh, because they're reminders of great redemptive events. They're also not only reminders of a greater exodus, but also creation. And this is the language of Genesis chapter 1. Let there be light, and there was light. Let there be dry ground, and there was dry ground. Reminder of God's creative power and provision for the church. Now, were it not so, we would live in perpetual 
darkness and uh, forever. Uh, Exodus 13, verses 21 to 20. And the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them out on the way, and in a pillar of fire by night uh, to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Greater fulfillment again is in the servant son, the great shepherd. Uh, <clears throat> the uh, in the Septuagint, Septuagint, uh, the verb lead is used uh, uh, in in uh, Romans chapter eight and verse fourteen. For as many as are the sons of God, these are being led by the Spirit of God. One of the great promises of Scripture to me: whoever is a son of God is being led by the Spirit. Oftentimes in the church, we we have this folly that. Uh, well, Christ did his work upon the cross, and now you've got to have another work of grace to get the Spirit, and if you just handle it just right, he'll lead you. No, that's not the way the language is couched. If you're a son, you're being led by the Spirit. Just as the Lord led the physical people of God, if Israel in the Old Testament, he led them by a cloud, he led them by the pillar of fire. And so he leads us as his sons. The gift of the Spirit. Uh, very interesting that uh, the Apostle John alludes to Isaiah 42, this concept of light and salvation and darkness uh, in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 17. Great promise of our redemption. Again, a reason to praise God. Uh, Revelation chapter 7, the 17th verse. For the Lamb in the center of the throne shall be their shepherd and shall guide them to the springs of the water of life. The verb uh, here is the cognate of the verbs for leading and guiding in the Hebrew text of uh, Isaiah chapter 42, verse 16. Reminder again of the new exodus, the provision of Christ our shepherd who leads and guides us to the springs of the water of life. The Old Testament exodus, he led the children of Israel to water, apart from which they would have perished in the wilderness. And uh, he is, of course, our shepherd. He guides us to the springs of the water of life. Uh, this text, uh, a powerful reminder, again, of our Christology. Uh, because Christ is at the center of the throne, meaning he's God himself. And he shepherds us all along the way. One of the great familiar song, uh, psalms uh, to every Christian is the 23rd Psalm. Realized uh, for us in just this theology, he leads me beside the still waters. That psalm is fulfilled in the church. As he leads us to the springs of the water of life. That our spiritual thirst might be quenched forever and ever in him. He leads us beside the still waters. Uh, he guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. There is no contingency whatsoever in that language. Because he is our shepherd. He guides us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Greatness of the provision of the servant son. 
Isaiah chapter 42. The reason we praise God is all He does for us and His agent, the Son. I love that language because so many in the church today have this notion that, well, we come to Jesus and then He he lets us kind of meander our own way, wandering back into the world or hither and yon. Doesn't understand the theology, the majesty of God who leads and guides His people and never loses any of them. How could He? He's God. He's our shepherd. Ancient Near East, uh, uh, the great kings were called shepherd kings. We have the greatest of them all. The great shepherd king who leads His people. That we are not left to wander self-directed. Jesus doesn't say, well, I died for you. I hope you make it. Good luck. That language is absolutely foreign, if not pagan. I had a friend of mine in New Jersey who had a funeral service uh, in his church for uh, the word luck. Language is not appropriate to a Christian. We don't believe in luck. We believe in Christ the great shepherd king who leads us uh, through the great water obstacles uh, and will lead us until we get to our heavenly home. Uh, it's very interesting that uh, this language of the light and darkness uh, is used by the Apostle Paul, I, I think, as an allusion to Isaiah, Genesis 1, uh, Exodus, the great promise of the pillar of fire leading his people uh, Colossian epistle, uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 12 and 13. Uh, For he delivered us from the domain of darkness, because Christ is our light, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, majesty of, of the work of Christ the servant son. The, uh, the last uh, provision of God to his agent, uh, returning back to the praise of God, this great song of, uh, of the earth in uh, heaven, uh, last great provision is that Christ will not abandon us or leave us. Isaiah chapter 42. Uh, verse 16, the, the last uh, line in your English text. I will not leave them undone. It's instructive to me that the vast majority of Christendom uh, believes that you can start the exodus but not finish it. You can fall away. Really doesn't understand the work of Christ. Doesn't understand the promise of Christ. Uh, again, I alluded to this earlier. It's as if Christ says, well, I've done my part. I hope you make it. Good luck. No, this promise says, I will not leave you undone. And all of the vagaries of the journey. And isn't this reduplicated over and over in the great provisions of the commissioning exercises throughout the Scripture? Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. 
How do you square that with so much of American Christianity that believes that uh, you can fall away from grace? I mean, in effect, they are redefining grace, which corrupts the church and corrupts hymns of praise. How can you sing a song of the greatness of the praise of the glory of the worship of God if in the final analysis it's left to us to make our own way? Here God is clearing every obstacle, establishing a way through the great river obstacles and great seas uh, with us in our journey. This language is uh, picked up. A very important text in the New Testament. Uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 13, uh, and verse 5. Again, the same verb is used. I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. The constancy and the continuity of the presence of the shepherd with his sheep belies any notion whatsoever that he would desert us or forget us or forsake us or whisper folly into our ears, I hope you make it. I've done the best I can do for you. What kind of salvation is that? No, otherwise, in Isaiah 42, the entire redeemed community is beckoned to sing the praises of God Revelation chapter 5, when Christ opens the seals of the book of redemption and judgments, all of heaven erupts in praise. As a reminder of what we do as the people of God in our journey. I don't understand those who believe that you can fall for grace, but it is ensconced deeply in much of the American church. We should believe otherwise because of the work of the shepherd and his promises to lead us, to guide us, to clear obstacles, to give us light all along the way as our guide. To lead us to the uh, heavenly waters. Now, the totality of our salvation has a seamless Trinitarian provision that is unbreakable and irrevocable and speaks of certainty as the cause of our joy and the worship and singing praises to God. If you're not a Christian, let me, let me remind you of the gospel in this text. Christ is the fulfillment. He has come. Uh, he has won the victory on the cross. He gathers his people, he protects us, he leads us, and he is with us all along the way into eternity. Do you understand that? Believe it, become a Christian if you're not. If you are a Christian, embrace it as the cause of joy in your heart. And uh, may your vocation be one of of uh, the members of the great choir singing the praises of God. Uh, we live in a world of great uncertainty. Not so with the members of the new exodus. Uh, not so of those who know Christ as their shepherd. Uh, everything is certain. Uh, I love uh, the text of the Apostle Paul uh, 
Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, who, he who has begun a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. What God begins, he starts. What Christ has begun in eternity past, expressed in time on the cross, all throughout the futures of our lives, he will finish. But because he's our God, we are the sheep of his pasture. It's the reason we, we begin our service with the praise of God. But we should praise God every day uh, in light of uh, God's greatness and his provisions. All of these are promises of God that speak to us. The first person singular pronoun used throughout this text. Reasons for the praise of God. Safe passage into eternity. Again, if you're not a Christian, I have the sad news to tell you that you will never make it. You are a Christian. It's certain. It's not to belie the vagaries, the difficulties, the struggles, the challenges. But the work of Christ is certain. He will lead you to the streams and the water of life. Certainty. The reason we praise God. The text of Isaiah chapter 42 closes with a warning passage. Uh, because he does not lead us uh, into idolatry, but rather out of idolatry. And so the warning of verse 17, uh, they shall be turned back and be utterly put to shame who trust in idols, who say to molten images, you are our gods. Uh, the idols of the world, the false religions of the world, will not get you to heaven. And so again, it's a summons, a warning don't trust in idols. Don't trust in false religion. There is but one God and one Savior, Jesus Christ, who wins his people as the great king, who leads them, guides them, succors them, protects them. We'll see them to the end. Certainty. Because of who God is. We live in an uncertain world, but not so for the exodus of God's people. And so I close uh, with this morning with exactly uh, the beginning of the Isaiah text. God summons us to sing his praises. Then he tells us why. The gift of the Son, the great shepherd of the sheep, provision for the journey, with us all along the way. We never graduate of daily provisions in need of the grace of God. He is with us all along the way. And so I ask you, as you depart the church and you have a moment of silent reflection, we will close in a moment, but you go back home and Monday morning comes, uh, what ought to be one of your great vocations of life? This text. Sing the new song in the praises of our great God in Jesus Christ.